Landon Donovan farewell tour now has a U.S. men's national team stop, and that will be on October 10th in Hartford, Connecticut against Ecuador. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Garrett? It's been a while. Yeah, man. What's what's going on, dude? You've been falling asleep at like 9 o'clock all, all these nights now. That's why we haven't had a show. Well, okay. As you guys know, we have busy <laughs> schedules. We lead busy lives. I actually did uh, take the weekend off and uh, try to go away with the family. But as you know, in the soccer world, there's never really downtime. And uh, obviously, all kinds of stuff started popping off starting from Friday all the way through the weekend. But, you know, I still managed to spend some quality time with the family. We went down to Atlantic City, hung out for a bit, took the boys to the Union Earthquakes game on Sunday night. And uh, overall, it was pretty good. And, uh, and now we're back. We're back to get the show back on track. And we've got plenty to talk about. Rumor has it on the street that uh, you lost some serious money in Atlantic City. I wouldn't say serious money, but I, I did. But I didn't win. Let's just put it that way. How, mu- how much you lose? Uh, not much. I've lost more. Does your wife know how much you lost? That's the question. <laughs> yes, she does. Oh, she it does. Was, okay, fine. Then you're fine. It, was, then. it wasn't that much. It wasn't that much. Okay, I, it's not too bad. It, the thing, you know, the problem is like some. I, I like poker was, it was my game forever, and I was a pretty hardcore player for years. Now I just don't play anymore, just because I don't have time to, you know, get down and to AC and play. So I haven't played in a while, and when I go now, it's like I'm just not good at all. It's like you just—I'm not as good as I used to be. And obviously, the guys who play are playing all the time. And so, first night struggled, took a beating, and then the second day, the second night, I did better. Um, but yeah, I missed—I gotta—I gotta admit, I missed the days of just being able to sit at a poker table. For a whole day and just kind of play and play, and it's it's it was kind of one of my my hobbies for the longest time, and just uh, now, now there's just no time for a hobby with all with everything going on in the soccer world. How do you have to? I can't do that. Like when I'm at the casino, like I can't sit down and play poker for like six, seven, eight hours. Like I, I can't. Oh, I don't know nothing. how you, I don't know how you do that. That's nothing. That's a cup of coffee, man. The long I tell you, the, for the my personal record, mm-hmm. longest ever poker session. Once one time, one shot nonstop. 30 and a half hours. That's the longest. Are I've you ever. serious? Yeah, yeah. I played a... How do you do that? I would lose focus. I uh, I mean, it's it's not easy. I mean, you, you obviously have to you have a good night's sleep the night before and, uh, you know, be rested, have, have a good meal. And, you know, I actually did. I, I crushed it that, that session. That was... I won like $2,000 that day, that, that cycle. Um, and you just... That, that was that was years ago. That was years ago. I, I, I don't have that kind of free time anymore. To just uh, spend a spend a whole day playing. One of the good things I will say mm-hmm. about about things nowadays is you're actually allowed to have uh, cell phones at the poker table now, so you can actually get work done. So I have written, <laughs> I have written stories. I will I will confess, I have written stories from the poker table. I have transcribed interviews from the poker table. Are you serious? Um, oh yeah, I remember one time. I tell you what, here's a little, little behind the scenes for folks. Back in 2010. Uh, I wrote a big Charlie, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie. You were about Dave. to say Charlie Sheen. I was. I got Charlie <laughs> Sheen on the brain. It's Jermaine Jones's fault. Jermaine Jones's fault. I got Charlie Sheen on the brain. Uh, I did a big uh, feature on Charlie Davies. Uh, I went down to uh, to visit him when he was recovering from the the big car accident the, that he almost died in, and um, you know I, I went down and I did kind of the first story on him in his recovery. You know I was the first person to kind of go sit with him, spend the day with him. 
And I remember coming back from that, uh, and that was in Delaware. So, of course, Delaware is like a stone's throw away from Atlantic City. So I took the one-hour drive over to Atlantic City, and I I spent the entire day, uh, you know, I spent I don't even know how many hours playing and transcribing all the interviews, and I got all the transcribing done. Now, the funny thing is, I in that whole time, I probably lost like $800. Uh, and then I went over and played three-card poker for a half hour and won back all 800 bucks in like damn in like, in like 30 minutes. It was crazy. Well, so There's a lesson to young journalists. You can uh, have journalism integrity and play poker at the same time. So. Yeah, you can, you can get your work done. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone, but I don't know, man. I'm getting older. I don't know if I can pull that off anymore. See, this is why I just play blackjack because I feel like as long as you play it somewhat safe and you don't have horrible luck... You know, you could break even, play for a few hours, and you get to drink for free. That's that's what I do. <laughs> that's my thing at the casino. Well, it's easy, man. In blackjack, it's easy to slip into. The, it is. It's one of the safer table games. I'll say that because the, the my problem is, I've I have gotten into this whole three card poker thing over the past five six years. That's like my. Uh, it kills me. It kills me. I can't stay away. Uh, and I I take such a beating, and uh, it, it, I never learned my lesson. But I, I I've stayed away from it for a while now. Enough about gambling. Let's talk soccer. I'm going to say, I'm trying to think. I, I'm going to hope that the New York Red Bulls advanced the MLS Cup and host it because then when I come out to New York, we can go to Atlantic City together then. It's not that close, man. We, I mean, I, I mean, not that, if not that. How far is it? What is it, like two hours? It's about two hours. Bro, I, I live in the middle of the desert, okay? LA is like six hours. Vegas is like five hours, okay? Two hours is nothing. All I'm saying is, if if the Red Bulls host the MLS Cup final, which it's that's a bit of a long shot. Yeah, I, I, I know. It's a bit of a long shot. If they host the final, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot going on, and I don't know if I'm going to want to be driving down to Atlantic City in December, mind you. It could be snowing for all you know. Those are just details, man. Um, all right, enough enough gambling, Ivis. I'm sure <laughs> it's going to open for the show, but we do have lots to talk about. As you said, we need to talk about. European soccer, some guys on the move. We need to talk about Manchester United. That will be a lot of fun if you're not a Manchester United fan. Americans abroad, we'll get into that, get into CONCACAF Champions League, the previous weekend of Major League Soccer, and we'll talk a little bit about the Jermaine Jones deal. But as we just said, Landon Donovan, you know, he announced his retirement about a month and a half ago, saying that he's going to retire at the end of this season. So, you know, teams are kind of starting to do the farewell tour thing for him, giving, you know, honoring him at their games and such. And uh, news came out uh, on Tuesday that Donovan will make one final appearance for the U.S. men's national team. As we said, that will be on October 10th in Hartford, Connecticut against Ecuador. And uh, and I think this is great. I just think it's a good opportunity for everyone to see Donovan play one final game. You know, you kind of expected it a little bit. You know, when I saw it, I wasn't too surprised. But I'm looking forward to it, man. And I'm sure the reception is going to be outstanding for him. Well, I don't know about you, but I was surprised. I was really? a bit surprised. I would say just with the the, uh, the timing of it, just because I mean, it wasn't exactly uh, a, a cordial divorce, right? Between the whole Landon Donovan Jurgen Klinsmann situation, uh, the way Klinsmann left them off, and then and then Donovan's reaction to it. Obviously, he criticized them after it. He criticized them during the World Cup, and then after the World Cup, he trashed his coaching. So you know, when all that goes down, you think, okay, we're never going to see Landon again international team uniform and i gotta say i really really doubt jurgen klinsman was one of the driving forces behind this decision i'm pretty sure u.s soccer was behind it pretty sure sunil galati was behind it and oh, maybe of course I, he was and and, and and i think you know maybe jurgen just had to hey i mean i think he had to accept that this is something that needs to happen even if i'm not totally crazy about it i did think it was interesting that you know 
in the in the press release yes. announcing uh, announcing it. Sunil Galati has a quote in it. Landon Donovan has a quote in it. Jordan Klinsman, no quote in it. He did put out a tweet, mm-hmm. which you know, I mean, really, like a tweet. Like, come on, man. And the funny one of the funnier things, if you want to give, if you want to laugh, uh, if you just read the responses to his tweet, I mean, it's just one one steady stream of hate. From all the Landon Donovan fans <laughs> who absolutely loathe Klinsman for not bringing him to Brazil, I mean it's a it's so real the the the, the passion and the hatred. I mean I think we all saw it with the Tim Howard announcement and how that was pretty much uh, hijacked and turned into a, a, a another uh, another chance to get on the soapbox about Landon missing the World Cup. Now with now with this happening, there's even more hate getting named at Jurgen Klinsman, and I don't think I don't know who knows when that'll go away. But it, you know, it's not really about that. It's about a chance to honor Donovan and give him the send off he deserves. And and I think, you know, I know the cynics will say, yeah, it's also a chance to actually sell out a game that probably wasn't going to come close to selling out. Because I tell you what, it's going to be forty thousand at Rensselaer Field for that game just because he had Landon Donovan has that many fans and he deserves that kind of send off. I mean, let's face it, you know, he, he has had the best career of any national team player in American history. Uh, he deserves it. He deserves mm-hmm. this kind of send off. It's it's still going to be a little awkward, obviously, uh, with the whole Klinsman thing. But he deserves this moment, and I think it's going to be great uh, for fans to be able to show him one last time uh, what he means to them mm-hmm. uh, as American fans, as U.S. national team fans, as American soccer fans. He's earned that, and I think it's great to to see that that's going to happen. Yeah, completely agree with you on on a lot of things that you said. Uh, I did. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did find it interesting that. Jurgen did not have a quote in the release. I mean, that, I think that shows that this did come uh, from Gelati that did kind of tell Klinsman, like, hey, this is happening whether you like it or not. And if you go to Jurgen Klinsman's Twitter account, you can see everyone who rips Jurgen Klinsman. Here's a, here's a message to everyone. The World Cup's over. Get over it. It happened. Okay? It's time to move on. It's I find that I just I find people living in the past to be mm, a little too much, Ivis. I think people need to uh, kind of little get over it. But, uh Dude, that seems gonna be rocking, man, and uh, it's it's gonna be nice to see Landon Donovan have a moment, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be sad, man. It's gonna be definitely end of an era already, but it's gonna be the official stamp of end of an era with Landon Donovan. Well, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm call, I'm calling it now. Urine Klinsman is gonna come down with some mysterious illness, and will not be able to coach oh, this game. No, he I, won't. I, 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 Stop I, it. I, I'm just, I, it wouldn't shock me. Let's just put it that way. I mean, okay, maybe it's a little far fetched. Uh, but would it really surprise anybody if, if for whatever reason, Klinsman just can't show up for the game? Or maybe I, I, the U.S. U18 team, which his son, Jonathan, is playing on, maybe they'll have a tournament that weekend, too. Isn't he on the U20 team now? Well, he, was not, he, was, he just played in the U18 team in, uh, in, Czech, in Czech Republic. Oh, yeah. and congratulations to the U18 team. They actually won the uh, tournament out there. I, forget, I don't know what it's called, but... They won it, so congratulations nice. to the boys out there. <laughs> nice segue from Landon Donovan to John Klinsman. Congratulations there, John Klinsman. Oh, you but, know. Uh, no, you know what? I, kidding aside, <laughs> I think I think Klinsman will be there. I think he'll be at the game, and I think he'll think they'll have the awkward handshake, and uh, and then that'll be that. Um, but hopefully, you know what? Hopefully the fans give Donovan the send-off he deserves, and hopefully they don't boo Klinsman too much when his name's announced. I don't think people will boo him... I, I think he'll be fine. I, I think people are more willing to talk crap on Twitter than they are than, than they will be in the stadium. I don't know, man. I tell you what, it's gonna the, look. There's gonna be a lot. There are going to be a lot of people there just for the send off part of this whole game. And I mean, and I think I hope people realize he's not gonna see much playing time in this game. It's probably gonna be a cameo, pretty similar to the All Star game where he played like 20 minutes. 
And much like the All-Star game, he has an important, what's probably going to be a very important MLS game two days later against FC Dallas, red-hot FC Dallas. Um, so it's not like the guy's going to start in this game. It's not like he's going to play 90. He's going to come on. He's going to come on to some applause. He's going to play his 20 minutes and come off to an applause. And you know what? Maybe like the All-Star game, he'll find the net. Yeah. Uh, give give the fans there something to be happy about. Um, but I, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I am looking forward to the handshakes between Donovan and Klinsman just to see how awkward they are. <laughs> uh, I, I think everyone will put on a nice face for this game, Ivis. I don't, I, don't, sure I don't think anything will happen. And I think people like you are going to re- try to read into it way too much. Well, look, I, I don't expect Klinsman to show much uh, on his face. I mean, if, if there's anyone that I know who can smile even when he doesn't mean it, it's Klinsman. The guy uh, has, like, the automatic smile button going on. But uh, you know what? It'll be – I think – and look, again, it, it really shouldn't be about Donovan. It, it will Like, he deserves to send off uh, and he deserves his moment and the fans that, who, who love him deserve the chance to see him off. But uh, but let's not forget now. This game is also about you know the new faces coming in, the 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 players that Klinsman is bringing in to, as we as we start a new World Cup cycle. And actually, I just finished a column, I just finished a piece for Goal.com on on an uncapped best eleven, uh, the top Amer- uncapped Americans uh, and guys to look for that you could see possibly being on the team in 2018. Uh, and and that's what you want to say. I think the I think the U.S. fans who aren't necessarily caught up in the Donovan. Uh, thing that want to see the new blood uh, will will definitely be watching these last games of 2014 very closely, and that that game in East Hartford, that Ecuador game is a, a meaningful game. It's not it's not a, a, a testimonial. It's not uh, an exhibition where both teams won't be playing hard. They will be playing hard. Ecuador obviously, uh, you know, they have their their own qualifying in, in South America, the Copa America that they need to uh, get ready for. They're going to take it seriously. And obviously the new guys, Clemson is going to call in and take it seriously. We'll obviously talk about that more down the road. I will be there in East Hartford. It's it's not that far from here from where I am. So looking forward to it. Who did you have on that list? Paul Ariola? What? Who, on, on that list, the uncapped players. Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna divulge oh, come any on, names. Come on, Ivis. Gold.com. People can read it. I will say it's pretty MLS heavy, um, and um, part of the reason for that is let's face it: if you're a, a young American playing in Europe, getting regular playing time, uh, chances are Klinsman already called you. Chances are you've already had a cap. Uh, and no, I didn't put on any of these any of the teenagers who are over in Europe who aren't getting playing time or who just became pros. Uh, I'm just, as I say all the time, I'm just not down with the hype beast mentality uh, of people who like to hype kids up, uh, you know, and in some cases they've never even seen play or hardly seen play. Let Leave these kids, let, let them be. Let the kids just develop. Let them get a year under their belt as a pro player before you go throwing them on on any kind of list like these like that i just, i'm i don't know i i just think it's silly and it's just it, you, you see it all the time and and but look people love to see these kind of lists and i try to put a list together and i look it's not a perfect list but at least you know i try to put a list together of guys who have some experience under their belt who are young enough that they're going to be factors that, uh, potential factors for the next world cup so you're not going to see like a mike mcgee on there even though he's not capped and even though he's an outstanding player Let's face it. He's not gonna. He's not a guy. He, he's gonna be 33 in Russia at 2018. He's not gonna be there. Uh, or even like a guy like Chris Schuler. Chris Schuler, outstanding player, but you know he'll be 30 at the next World Cup. He's had trouble staying healthy. If, if he can stay healthy for a couple of years, who knows? The guy could be. I mean, I could see Schuler really taking off. But you know what? For me, I think it, 
you know, you're talking guys 25 and younger. I think that's really the target demo uh, of the field player anyway uh, that Klinsman is going to be looking really closely at as he tries to find the next diamonds in the rough. Who? Like Harry Ship? I'm not telling you anyone who's on the list. I'll tell you. uh, I I told you who's not on it. Obviously, McGee and Schuler and uh, younger guys like Emerson Heinemann and uh, and Rubio Rubin. Who look, Rubio Rubin. You know, he he had he had his debut for FC Utrecht, but now he's already not dressing. Emerson Heinemann started a couple games at Fulham. Now he's not dressing. Like it's it's not an easy go for teenagers in, in in Europe. You know, you have your ups and downs. Uh, you know, you have your swings and and, and you got to get settled in. But uh, one player who I would love to put on the team, but he played four minutes uh, in his first cap earlier this year is Bobby Wood, uh, a guy who, you know, at his club team, 1860 Munich, uh, put out there that he's uh, he's being called up. Now, U.S. soccer claims that that's premature, that he was on the preliminary list. Um, but chances are he's probably going to get called in. I think he's going to. And he's been starting for 1860. Young player, exciting young forward. A lot of people aren't that familiar with. I got to see him a, a decent amount a couple years back when he got when he was in a training camp with, with the at the time, uh, I think it was a U20 team or U23 team in Florida. And the kid's got some quality to him. And now he's got a couple years under his belt. He's definitely one to watch. One thing I would like to say, though, get on the soapbox for a minute, is when will, US, when will U.S. soccer stop with the late uh, roster announcements? It's just dumb. Like, I, you know what? I can kind of understand if you're trying to gain some competitive advantage in a, in a World Cup qualifier and you don't want to tip your hand. But, I mean, it's a friendly in September. You're playing the Czech Republic in September. The game is, what, a week from now? And they haven't even announced the roster yet. I don't think they're going to announce the roster until Thursday. I know. I mean, there are teams, there are club teams right now who don't even know if their guys are going to be available or not during that during that window because they don't know if they've been called in yet. And I just don't get it. Like, what is the deal? How is every other top team in the world can announce their line their rosters like a week or two in advance, if not more? Brazil they announced their their upcoming friendly roster a week ago. Why can they do it? But we have to sit around and wait for like uh, a day or two before camp starts or even after camp starts. Like what is the big secret? Like, you know, I know maybe U.S. fans in general don't really care. It's one of these things maybe that like journalists we, we maybe we care more about because it just it just seems absurd. But you know what? I, I just I just don't get it for a friendly why you do this. Well, clearly you care and uh, they got under your skin and I'm sure mission accomplished by U.S. soccer. Well, I just thought it was funny. I mean, I talked to someone today. I, look, look I, I, you know what? He can do what he wants. Klinsman can do what he wants. But I just found it funny today when I was talking to someone and they pointed out that, look, uh, there's there's club teams that have no idea what's going on with their own players when it comes to the call-ups. Uh, and the game is in a week. So I think that's pretty hilarious. And I, I just don't get it why 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 Klinsman keeps doing it. If we listen to the show on Wednesday, it is in a week. So there you go. Uh, Ivis, we, we've, we've gotten off the point and subject of what we were discussing i don't even know what we were discussing i don't even remember what we i think it was we... i think it was landon donovan well that's what that that's what donovan does he get you, you <sighs> end up going on five different tangents so okay. let's move on let's talk about the big yes the big deal the big signing transfer well not free transfer jermaine jones is in mls mission accomplished jermaine 
Yes, and uh, it was announced on Sunday during the Seattle and Portland game. It was teased about, I don't know, 35 times. It's pretty obvious what they were going to announce, but the saga is over. Jermaine Jones is now a member of the New England Revolution. This is a team, Ivis, you and I have talked about where we think Jermaine Jones is going to fit in quite nicely, bring some toughness, some leadership, especially to the midfield, help out those young players. I think this is a great move for them. Uh, but you know, it's a little, uh, a little shady, you know, MLS kind of doing what they do, you know, I don't want to say making up rules on the fly, but you know, not being totally clear about the rules that they have for certain players like Jermaine Jones. And I mean, this saga was drawn out way longer than it needed to be, but it's nice to see it finally come to an end and we can all see Jermaine Jones start playing in, uh, in major league soccer quite soon. Uh, I say, man, and a lot of people are not happy with the way this whole process went down. Um, and the league, once again, uh, it has a black eye because of a process that just isn't transparent transparent by any means. And uh, I, let's start by saying, look, it's great that Jermaine Jones is in MLS, mm-hmm. right? That's a, that's a positive. That's a big plus for the league. That's a big plus for New England. Uh, you, 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 have to look, you definitely have to look at the positives and say, look, New England has a history of not being willing to spend money. They're, they're essentially – they have the reputation of being the cheapest team in MLS. They've never had a million dollar player before, and now they go out and invest a you know four point five, four point seven. I guess they're now today saying four point seven million dollars in uh, a one and a half year deal for Jermaine Jones. I mean that's huge, uh, and it's a big investment on the Williams' part. So you love to see that, especially for that fan base who's been through a lot and has been has been waiting for their team to kind of step up and and really try to compete on that level. So that's a positive. That's a positive. Now the negative is the way it got to this point. Uh, you know the the way the way that it came down to what essentially was a coin flip, which is how, which is what the league would have us all believe that it came down to a blind draw and that the Chicago Fire could have had them and New England ended up with them by pure fifty fifty chance, which basically makes it a coin flip. Um, and look, there, the thing is, when you're not fully transparent with this, these processes, and there's not a, a rule book that people can look at and, and know ahead of time what's going on, it all just looks made up. It all looks shady. Mm-hmm. It all looks like a shell game, and, and, and you just don't know what you're looking at, and things are just changing. I mean, how can how can anyone honestly say that conspir- any conspiracy theories – uh, are wrong about this stuff because I mean any conspiracy theory theorist can look at this stuff and pick it apart and say hey how do we not know that New England uh, didn't call in a favor to make this happen how do we not know that the Chicago Fire pretty much had to stand aside uh, because hey they they were they were basically gift wrapped Mike McGee a year ago so could they really uh, complain about the process when they had benefited from the same process uh, how can they not say that. Uh, it's it's uh, how do, that we're just supposed to accept that that a blind draw happened and that apparently teams were witness to this, but the public was not witness to this for whatever reason. How, I like I, it's well, just there, I, there, I, there were reports coming out that that I mean I don't know how accurate these are, but there was some stuff coming out that New England did kick in, you know, a few a few extra bucks here on the side to kind of get that to happen. But <laughs> no, that's, I mean that's dumb. I that's dumb. I'm just saying no, there were reports. What, what, there were reports. No, but, what what New England did. Uh, was kicking enough. What both teams did was kicking enough money so that they were both on the same level. Uh, New England basically, and I, re- I reported this last week when the deal was in danger of falling apart. Jermaine Jones wanted more money to go to New England. He did not like he he had a night he had a deal in mind with Chicago, and he wanted to go there 
at that point because he had agreed to a deal with Chicago because Chicago was the first team to make a serious approach for Jermaine Jones and really put the money on the table, put their money where their mouth is, and and have their interest show. New England did not have that interest early on, and I know it's it's funny how th- the stories always change after the fact. Things are always smoothed out, and people uh, conveniently tweak their stories to make them look a lot better. Because now, apparently, New England was interested from the first minute. And let's face it, folks, uh, I, the, the information I have that is not true. From the information I have, Chicago was interested much more, much sooner than New England was. And if she, and if Jermaine Jones had agreed to the initial two-and-a-half-year deal on the table, the one that he rejected mm-hmm. and the one that Chicago claimed he didn't reject, uh, if he accepts that deal, he's a member of the Chicago Fire at that point because at that point, New England was not in the race. New England came on in the race late, and once they got interested, from what I understand, New England was seriously interested. Uh, I think their ownership group, their owners, on, on we're talking high, the highest levels of that team, Wanted to make a statement, and they liked what Jermaine Jones could do. I'm sure the World Cup was a huge factor in that, and uh, in, in, in making them see him as that kind of marquee guy, someone who could maybe move the needle. And that's why they made the first real million dollar, multi million dollar investment they've ever made as a team. I mean, I came up with the stat. I don't know for anyone who read my my column uh, on goal on Monday about it, but he he's going to make more this year. Jermaine Jones is going to make more money the rest of this MLS season, which is like a third of the season left, he's going to make more money in this third of a season than Taylor Twelman, Shalry Joseph, uh, Steve Ralston, and Clint Dempsey ever made in one full season combined for the New England Revolution. I mean, that's crazy. That's huge money. So credit to New England. They stepped up. But the fact that Chicago was in early, they wanted him. They were the first to express real interest in him. Uh, they should have gotten them. They really should have gotten them. And I get the whole single entity idea and, and MLS, uh, you know, they have to go around and, and see if anyone else can come close to offering the the same deal. I don't know if I buy that. I just don't. I just don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's all it's all a little suspect. I know that's what they supposedly did with, with, with Michael Bradley, although in the case of Michael Bradley, Toronto whipped out the big bank book. It put a number on it that was so big, no team was going to come close to, to, to the money that Toronto offered uh, and ended up paying for Michael Bradley. No one was coming close to that. Mm. Uh, no one was coming close to what to see, what Seattle w- w- was going to pay for, for, for Clint Dempsey. Uh, and, and he was only going to Seattle. That's the thing. Yeah, Clint Dempsey was not going anywhere else. He was not coming to MLS to play for anybody but Seattle. See, this is where I just think it's all – little suspect so it is what it is and it's unfortunate you'd like to a you'd like the league to be more transparent about the rules b you'd like the league to be uh not single entity anymore now that we're at a point where you have 19 soon to be 21 soon to be 24 teams yet you're trying to have things run by one small office of a handful of people uh playing uh you know geppetto to the to pinocchio here and being the puppet masters uh of 100 player league it's just unreal it's just not gonna work it's just you're gonna have constant issues like this when you're having a small office try to control a league this big and nothing sounds like it's gonna change i asked the president of mls i asked mark abbott in portland at all-star specifically i said are we gonna see more autonomy for 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 front offices more autonomy for club teams in the future now that the league's growing and he flat out just totally shot that down he totally was like uh, yeah, probably not. Maybe we'll add more people or more or, or more personnel to the 
play a personnel department, but you know we we, we feel good about our system. We don't. Th- he doesn't think things are changing. He doesn't think anyone's uh, pushing to make that change, which shocks me, because all I hear all the time is about how teams wish they had more control, more autonomy. Uh, and and at, at the end of the day, the owners are going to have to step up, come together, and say, "Listen, we want to have more control." We want to start call, uh, pulling the own, our own strings and calling our own shots. We don't want to have to keep going through this imaginary rule book and, and the whim uh, of the handful of people in New York City. We want more control. And until the owners step up in mass, in a group, and, and really fight that, we're, not, we're never going to see a change. But do you, I say, do, do you ever see the owners stepping up and doing that? Because I don't see that at all right now with the, with the current owners that are in the league. I, well, there's so many new owners. You would think that maybe uh, th- there would start to be a, a movement toward that, but I just don't know. I mean, you, you've got a lot of guys in the league now: Rob Heineman, Merritt Paulson. Uh, you're going to have the guys in Orlando now. Obviously, NYCFC. You have to wonder how they're going to respond to things once they're uh, getting deals shot down or, or getting things, you know. Uh, put through the bureaucratic ringer of MLS personnel, the personnel department. Uh, how are they going to respond? So I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, you'd like to, you'd like to think something's going to change, but it just doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Well, it's. I, I mean, I could see Paulson leading the charge on that, but it's going to take, it's gonna it, take it, a it's few no more people owner. than just him. Yeah, it, no, it's no one owner. It's going to take. It's going to take a strong collective, uh, a block of owners. It's going to take five, six owners to come together and really push for it at the border governor's level um and it's not about the cba folks it's not about the player league relationship it's about the owners in the league it's about the owners uh really starting to you know force uh, try to enforce their will on things and really try to uh take control of things a bit because obviously they bought in as investor operators Mm -hmm. and maybe that maybe that keep that limits the amount of, of of uh pushback that they can even even put on things, but I gotta believe if these teams, if these owners, if these ownership groups are putting in 60, 70, 100 million dollars for expansion teams, that they don't have a little more say, that they don't have a little more power uh, to make some kind of change because it just needs to change. And, and look, uh, you know, are we gonna have full blown free agency anytime soon? Never gonna happen. Not gonna happen anytime soon. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, all the things that people would love for the league to do. We're, it's, they're not all happening, and some will never happen. Single uh, promotion relegation, we already know that's never going to happen. And I know some people hate that, and I, and I think it's unfortunate that it's completely off the table. But so there are certain things that could happen that sh- that that the league could make happen. The league could step aside and let teams have more autonomy. The league could let GMs and front offices control their own fate a little more. They could do that. They choose not to do that, and I think that's a shame. Well, is it the? I mean, it seems like the league is afraid to take the training wheels off, and it's afraid that some teams. It's it's not fear, man. It's not a fear. It's no, no, no. Control. It's power, and it's the the you know the that small collection of people in New York City who have the control, and they want the control, and they're not going to give it up until the owners say, "Listen, guys, you you shouldn't be making the final calls on what eighty million and hundred million dollar franchises." Or doing with the rosters, you just shouldn't. And I think that day's that day needs to come. And w- when you have that group of owners that that fights that, and until that happens, we're going to be stuck with what we have. So you think it's something to do that the league is afraid that some teams will elevate even more, and some teams will fall down even further. 
well, they won't be able wrong? to keep up. Well, what's wrong with that? I don't right? know. I'm I just, mean, there's nothing. Hey, look, Ivis, I find nothing wrong with that. But is it the league sits there and says, hey, the league is continuing to grow. Let's hold on to this for a little longer. Maybe 10 years from now, maybe we can do something like well, this look, where we get no one's control saying, back. Look, no one's saying let's start spending $100 million a team. No one's saying let's make it a $50 million cap or a $25 million cap. No one's talking about that. What we're talking about is just you can have all the rules you want on salary cap and roster size and international spots and all those guidelines that 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 a team has to follow to build its squad. But how about letting the teams within those established rules have some control over the teams they put together and not have, uh, you know, these faceless people. And I say faceless in terms of the public, but these suits in New York City who are not have who have not been hired by any team who are not former GMs who are who are just you know uh, the these personnel people who are in this office making final decisions uh on how t- 180 60 70 80 100 million dollar teams are being put together like i'm sorry if i was an owner if i'm andrew houtman uh, and, and I, you know, I put as much money into the team as he's put in. I mean, whether it's Guatemala Blanco or, or, or the DPs that he's had come through there, uh, you know, I, I'd be up in arms over losing Jermaine Jones. And that's even with the fact that Mike McGee was hand delivered to me it, it, with a bow uh, from L.A. for Robbie Rogers. Even with that, you know what? I'd still be upset. Uh, and 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 if I'm another team in the Eastern Conference that now has to deal with a New England Revolution team. That has the, the perfect player it needed in Jermaine Jones, and could lose out to the, this that same New England team for a playoff spot. I'd be pretty upset right now if I'm Philadelphia, if I'm the Red Bulls, if I'm any of those teams, Houston, if I'm one of those teams fighting for the last playoff spots in the East. I'm gonna be a little upset because MLS just made New England that much stronger uh, because of the process that they just put together on the fly. So I could put the soapbox away. I know we've gone. Yeah, on this, this, is like your, this is like the third soapbox that you've been on this show. Well, this was this is a little too long. So I'm sure people are already tired of it. So no, well, I well, well, no, well, but well, this this is stuff that people want to hear. You know, I mean, it's it's we'll, it's, it's we'll, just, we'll move on. No, and no, you know no, what? It's, it's good. Thing. It's good stuff. We'll, we'll that's fine. But we'll move on because you know what? At the end of the day, it's not changing. It's not going to change until because we can say we can say all we want. Fans can say all they want. They can say what they want on Twitter. They can say what they want in uh, in banners at the games, uh, or 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 on Reddit or wherever else they want to be, or on big soccer, which is you know, I mean, <laughs> that is what it is at this point. But um, it's not going to change until the high, until the big bosses, until the owners, the owners, or the as they call it, as they are in MLS, the investor operators. Uh, come together and start to, you know what, throw their weight around and start saying, listen, we're putting all this money into this league. We need to have a little more control. Why don't you lead the charge? I, I don't own anything. I own, I own a couple of scarves and a couple of jerseys that I didn't even oh, buy. Oh, come on, Ivis. So. I know you have more pull than that. You can get all these guys in a meeting somewhere. I don't know who's going to make it happen, but it's going to take it, – it, you know what? Maybe it will take one owner. Maybe it will take one owner starting to make some phone calls. And, and, and getting a group together and say, listen, guys, this is crap. We should not be settling for this. But you know what? It's almost funny because you you know why you're not going to see that? Because so mm-hmm. many of, because you've got a lot of teams that have benefited from the yep. craziness in their own ways. Like Seattle, is Seattle really going to step up when they were when Clint Dempsey was, you know, the the subsidized acquisition of Clint Dempsey by MLS? 
happened? Are they really going to fight the power when they benefited tremendously from it and when they have, you know, all sorts of money uh, put in, put into their roster? Are they going to get in the way? Probably not. Is Chicago uh, going to get in the way considering they got Mike McGinn year, a year ago and considering they, they conveniently the day before this Jones thing uh, trade John Kennedy Hurtado for allocation money uh, to the team to the t- one team in MLS that's controlled by MLS. That's that's a little food for thought for you conspiracy theorists. Um, so is Chicago going to fight the power on this? Probably not. LA Galaxy, even after they got completely, uh, you know, screwed over with this Sasha Kleston situation, uh, where they make the trade, they trade Kofi Opare, mm-hmm. they they create the cap, you know, the the, the roster room to get Sasha Kleston, and and then things happen. Other teams got in the way. They couldn't get Sasha Kleston. Uh, and I know nobody's shedding tears for them, considering all that's happened through the years for, for the Galaxy. Um, but are they going to really fight it? Probably not. So that's the thing. Who's going to fight it? The Red Bulls? Red Bulls with Henri and Tim Cahill? Uh, and all the millions that, that are being spent there? Are they going to fight it? No. So I don't know. That, see, that tells you right there. It, it's not, no not going to change, folks. It's not going to change. Not anytime soon. Uh, it's just not. It, it's, uh, you, as much as you wish it would. It probably isn't changing anytime soon. Uh, well, Cyrus, uh, t- I gotta, I gotta put a pause on this. Actually, no, I'm not gonna pause on this. I'm gonna end this conversation so we can move on. We spent way too much time talking about Jermaine Jones and Landon Donovan, how, which is how, not a bad thing. How, you're not ending it. I've ended it. I've no, I'm, I, no, I'm the host of the show. I determine. Don't end anything. I'm the, I, I, no, 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 false. I am the host. I producer. I determine what subjects we're talking about. I determine when we are talking about them, and I decide well, gonna, when and, and we're done talking about that. I'm, I'm not going to really talk about it anymore. See, now I want to keep talking about it. Just because I know you, you do. said I can't talk about it, I want to talk I know about you do. It. It's, it's so easy to get under your skin. Uh, <laughs> we got to recap the previous weekend of uh, Major League Soccer action. Uh, on Friday night, the early game of the week, FC Dallas at home defeated Real Salt Lake 2-1, to one, uh, even though FC Dallas did go down a man when uh, Las Perez did get a red card. It was not a red card. That was BS, but uh, FC Dallas found a way. They got two second-half goals, one from Javon Watson, and then the man of the month, Fabian Castillo, gets a goal for FC Dallas. Almost Garcia does bring a goal back, but uh, FC Dallas, Ivis, I mean, very, very good showing for them on Friday night against Real Salt Lake. Uh, absolutely impressive. Uh, you know, there were a few games that were real st- that were real statement games. And I know, look, Seattle-Portland coming into the weekend was the marquee matchup everyone wanted to talk about, the Cascadia rivalry. Uh, it's great. It's all well and good. It's great. But the games that really mattered in both conferences were FC Dallas RSL and DCKC. And in both instances, the visiting team went in and made an absolute statement of intent against the, the reigning conference champions, FC Dallas. When they when they went down a man, I got to tell you, I thought they were going to fall apart because I remember, and this was obviously a few months back. I remember them going down a man against uh, the new uh, against DC United, mm-hmm. and they got absolutely destroyed. And you know what? This is a different team, and it just shows how different a team it is. Uh, the way they not only had their attack kind of you know cause some problems and create even being a man down, but the way their defense has come together. Their defense has been outstanding. Matt, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Matt Hedges is, is really, really having a great year. And then you have Zach Lloyd stepping in to, to, to fill kind of the injury void in, center, in central defense. They've really put it together. And you got to give Oscar Perea all sorts of credit to have them down a man uh, pull off a win like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's huge. And 
they they're right now you, you got to say they're the best team they're playing the best right now i know some people say seattle but when you think about the past couple of months i don't i don't think anybody has played better than uh, fc dallas well it's also helping out the defense for fc dallas is that you're getting uh, very good performances from the guys on top. I mean, Akindeli would. I mean, it's amazing to me that he's a rookie. Ivis, he looks so good in this game. And then Castillo, we talked about this. I mean, I, I think you and I are on the same page that he's probably the most improved player going as of right now. It's just FC Dallas. I mean, everything just just seems to be working for them right now. Michelle is having a wonderful season for them. It's uh, it's, it's just nice to see FC Dallas just perform well after you know last year's implosion in the second half. Right. It's a great game. It's a great run. It's a great stretch for them. But look, it's a long season. Uh, there's still quite a bit of time to go before we even get to the playoffs. And it's all great. It's great to be hot in August, but that doesn't matter much when it gets to October. And I think, you know, uh, right now what Oscar Perry has doing is really learning, learning a lot about this team. And, uh, you know, they're looking good. And how do you keep that going? And I think the fact that their defense is really coming together is as exciting has to be as exciting for him as the Fabian Castillo uh, explosion because Fabian Castillo right now is playing like the most dangerous player in MLS and you know all apologies to Bradley Wright Phillips and Terry Henry and, and Obafemi Martins but if you're a defender in MLS right now the player you do not want to have coming at you is Fabian Castillo the guy is just out of control right now uh, and he's really driving it right now. He's driving it. Um, but, again, it's a long season. They've got a tough, tough, tough stretch of games. This one game said a lot about that team, but they've got a stretch of games mm-hmm. now. This is one of several really tough games. It's a real gauntlet that they're going to run through right now, and that stretch is going to tell us a lot about them more than just one game is going to tell us about oh, I, I completely agree because when you look at FC Dallas, their, their last loss was on May 31st, and you, and you look at the stretch that they're on right now, uh, and you look at kind of the results that they've had. I mean, they really haven't beat any team that's kind of top of the top of the table in the Western and Eastern Conference. And Real Salt Lake is kind of the first team that they've beat uh, that that is a legit playoff team. So, uh, one more note I had to say about this game: Castillo, even though he did score that goal, he did have an easy miss in the second half that he should have put away. But that's the difference between him in previous seasons. Was he, you know? We've seen him in the past where he'll miss an easy shot like that and, and kind of won't do anything for the rest of the game, but he did manage to get a goal back for him. And then uh, moving over to Saturday night, D.C. on the road destroyed Sporting Kansas City 3-0. to zero. You had three goals in seven minutes from D.C. United. Uh, Espindola had a beautiful shot from outside. Don't know how that went in, but it found a way to get in. Chris Rolfe gets a goal. Perry Kitchen gets a goal. And uh, Ivis, it was kind of a weird match. I mean, D.C. just all over Sporting Kansas City, and, and that just set the tone of the match in Sporting Kansas City. They might have had one of their worst matches of this season on Saturday. Well, look, great game for D.C., no doubt about it. They they just completely uh, overwhelmed uh, Sporting KC with that flurry, uh, that flurry of goals. But you know what? That, that's how it happens. I, I wouldn't say from a 90-minute standpoint – they embarrassed Sporting KC or no. they ran ran them off the park. But uh, like the best analogy I come up with, it was like a UFC fight where the teams are feeling each other out, and 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 mm-hmm. one fighter just lands that punch that just completely uh, breaks down the opponent, and then they jump on top of them, and the fight's over before you know it. That's what happened in this game. Uh, it was obviously a big game for both teams in the conference. DC got that first punch in. His KC just did not recover, and before you knew it, DC jumped all over them and overwhelmed them. And it's three zero. Once you're three zero, it's just so tough to get off the mat after that. And credit to DC United 
and I gotta say, man, it is interesting. And not to stir anything up here, but you know what? When when Eddie Johnson got suspended, uh, you know, I, I know some people in DC were thinking, oh, how will they respond without him around? And they've they've been crushing it the two games that he's been suspended. So, uh, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, but DC, they're playing very well. Perry Kitchen is playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Luis Silva, obviously, Espindola is having a yes. great great season. Uh, I feel like he, he's he's yet another. Uh, another player who has gone from the Red New York to DC and done amazingly well. Uh, you go back to Jaime Moreno, who went from DC to New York to DC and helped them win an MLS Cup in 2004. You had Dwayne De Rosario, who got traded to DC from the Red Bulls and won an MVP. And now you got Fabiana Spindola, who went from the Red Bulls last year to DC and is absolutely a driving force for them now. I think at a certain point, the Rebels might want to think about not making any more deals with these United. Just a thought. Uh, but look, great from them. Got to be a big confidence booster for, for, mm-hmm. for them to know that they can go to KC and win there. Uh, obviously, they push ahead of KC in the standings. I, th- I still think KC's going to get off and respond. I think they're going to come back stronger uh, and be right there in the end. But DC, what DC has now is real confidence because you can't take this away from them. No. Nope. Uh, the other win, you know, they obviously beat KC earlier in the year, but at, at back then, Beasler and Zussi were not there. Uh, it, you know, you could look at that and say, ah, oh, well, it wasn't really a full strength KC team. Uh, there's no excuses. When you beat, you, you beat, you beat Kansas City 3 0 at Sporting Park with their, their, all their top guys, there are no more excuses. DC is a legit team. And if they can play at that level, they can beat anybody. And they absolutely, I will say it, yes, folks, they are in that uh, title contender class, they and FC Dallas. I know I've been saying it for a while now that I think there are four teams that are legitimate title contenders. Right now, though, the way D.C. and FC Dallas are playing, you have to make that a six-team group. And uh, D.C. is now first in the Eastern Conference with that victory. I also thought going into the season that Fabian Esmodola was a great pickup for D.C. That is now his fourth straight season with nine-plus goals. His previous high was 10 goals with 2011 with Real Salt Lake. Uh, very consistent numbers from a forward in Major League Soccer. Uh, moving over to the Sunday game, Seattle on the road defeated Portland 4-2. to Clint Dempsey and Oba Femi Martins had a field day against Portland. Both of them combined for two, for three goals. Oba also had the assist on Clint Dempsey's, I think, what was it, like a 100-yard run off a corner kick. And uh, it looks like Portland still a few pieces away from taking that next step in. I mean, it was simple as this. Clint Dempsey and Oba looked outstanding on Sunday for Seattle. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, for me, Martins was the the the, uh, the player of the week in MLS. I, I don't even know who was. I try. I don't. I don't keep consistent track on who the league picks because I always think those those votes are a little I silly. They, but I think they also picked him too. Well, good, good. They got it right this time. Oh, I, I think. People... I think they're reading your website. I think that. Nah, I think that, that that's I what I heard on the street. I think what happens is if we get if we pick if we make our selection early enough in the morning, then I think enough people realize who they should vote for. Okay, I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm half kidding. I'm half kidding. Uh, no, but look, n- nothing against Terry Henry, who's out, who's outstanding against Montreal. But you know it, when you do what Martins did on the road against the arch rival in mm-hmm. a tough game, you got to get it. And and Martins. Uh, the assist on Dempsey's goal was quality. Obviously, the first goal for him was a tap-in, but the second goal, uh, when he dribbled through the defense, I mean, outstanding from him. Uh, Seattle, you know, that that that's the kind of win that could really get them going, I think. You know, obviously, as we had been saying, 
their form hadn't been great for a good run of games now. I mean, other than that, other than the Open Cup blowout of Chicago, which we're not even going to talk about, but in league play, they they'd had a run of games where they just really hadn't put it together. And in this game in Portland, a place where they hasn't haven't necessarily crushed it in the past year, you know, past year or so. Uh, they they really really took it to to, to Portland and uh, that I think that's the kind of win that could really shake things up for them and really get them on a roll and look we can talk about Martins and, and Dempsey all we want but how about Chad Barrett Chad Barrett is just just keeps scoring goals what is the deal the guy is just uh you know did he score in this game yes he did and did he score in the San Jose game? no he didn't score in the San Jose game on Wednesday but he what's his look at look his stats up his his he, it's got to be the most goals. He already has as many goals this season than I think maybe he's ever had in his career. I will tell you this in about three seconds, Ivis. He has tied a career high that he has set in 2011 with LA Galaxy, 2010 with Toronto, and 2007 with Chicago Fire. Seven goals is his career high, and he's tied that already this year. Right. And now, that's not, that does, maybe that doesn't sound that impressive, right? But take, take into account... This set goals he's he's done as a you know pretty much as a sub, uh, spot starter, but he's made the most of every opportunity and and I got to give him credit and I I've I've told as many Chad Barrett can't finish jokes as anybody right um, but he's really taken advantage this year he's really stepped it up and uh you, you know he's become a real intro, real important uh, piece off the bench for them mm. uh, but you know credit credit goes all around for them I mean I think this is the kind of one that could really get them rolling. Uh, I know Seattle fans were some Seattle fans were a little worried. Oh, are we going to see another late season slide? And I, I don't see it, folks. This is a better team. This is a better Seattle team than last year by far. Uh, and they're going to be tough to top. I mean, <clears throat> as stacked as the West is, you've still got the Galaxy who can who can make things happen. You still got you got FC Dallas on fire. RSL is going to get Morales and Sabarillo back, and their new signing Sebastian Hyman. They they're going to be there in the end. But I tell you what, Seattle with Obafemi Martins playing that that way. Uh, and Dempsey uh, looking fresh, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. What's up with Portland? Out of, out of nine possible points against Seattle this year, they pick up one point, and they did look much better in the second half when you brought in uh, Rodney Wallace and uh, Fernando Adi, but, I mean, at that point, the game opened up a little bit. You're not, I mean, Seattle, I mean, he's already up three goals in the 70th minute, uh, but, I mean, what's going on with Portland, man? It just, it just To me, it just seems like they just they don't have all the pieces yet that they need. Well, I mean, they've made enough moves this year. I don't know if that's an excuse you can make. I mean, I think at the end of the day, Seattle's better is just better than they are. You know what I mean? Like, just because you're not as good as as another team doesn't mean that you're you can't still be a good team, right? And I think Portland, I think the addition of Ridgewell, the additions of Ridgewell and Adi in the midseason uh, have been really sharp pickups for them. Uh, I, you know, the defense is Paparato, someone who's consistent enough. Uh, to count on on a regular basis, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think uh, pa, I think Pa Moduka is kind of regressed a bit this year because I thought he was great last year. If you can get Pa Moduka to be as uh, to be at the level he was last year, and you can partner him with Liam Ridgewell, then I really like that defense. I really think the Portland defense can be good enough to get them into the playoffs, and I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I know I know right now it's still a dogfight, and Vancouver's in that conversation still. But I think Portland's going to be in that in that you know right now Vancouver's got what they have a two point lead and they have a game in hand so they got a little bit of a cushion but those teams play twice Portland still has their their fate in their hands when it comes to the postseason and you know what who knows what happens comes the playoffs who knows who knows what's going to go down at that point I still like Portland for the playoffs 
I wouldn't go into panic mode just yet. It's not, you know, if they went and gave up four goals to Chivas, then we could have a conversation or Montreal or one of the, you know, lower teams in the league. But, you know, losing to Seattle is nothing to be embarrassed about. No, it's not. It's just, I don't know, man. Portland just, it was just not a good game. Also, I, I know he's had a good season in Rody. He's had eight goals, but I'm, I'm also not sold on him, man. I, I just don't think he provides enough up top for, for Portland and what they're trying to do. Uh, Wait, who are you talking about? Who? Maximiliano Uroti. I, I don't know, man. Why, I, he just does nothing for me when he plays. He's a little hit or miss. He's a little hit or miss. Um, I mean, he's pretty active. Uh, he, is, he is, but I, I just... Watching him pace, it's it's just it's frustrating, man. This this match was just it was frustrating to watch him. I don't know if maybe it's this match. I've seen him other matches, but I, I'm just I'm, I'm I just I'm not sold on him, man. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, That's I just my opinion. Really... That's just my opinion. No, you're right. He's had games where he's been pretty bad, and he's had games where he's been pretty good. So he consistency is not all there, and uh, you know they obviously have some other options that they can mix things up with, and uh, I think they'll be all right though, man. I, I think are they going to win MLS Cup? Probably not, but I mean I think they're a team that things go their way they could make a little bit uh, make some noise because i mean you know do you want to play them in a one-off in the four or five game which they're probably going to be in uh you know what I, I don't know man i think i wouldn't write them off just yet i would not i would definitely not uh ivis who do you think is one of the hottest players in the league right now <laughs> who is well fabian castillo is the hottest player well yeah he's one but can you name another one a player that i, I think he'd be very hard pressed to guess who it is well, there's a few players that are the hottest. All right. Well, do, do, okay. Do you want? Do you give up? It's a guessing game. Come on. I'm, I'm inviting you to play the guessing game. That's such a vague question. Okay. Well, you, you Justin Merrim. There you that. go. Congratulations. Really? That's your. That's he's, your yeah, he's, he's, I said he's he's one of the hottest players in the league right now. Think about this. I have his three goals in his last three games. Two assists for the Columbus Crew, who are now on a two-match winning streak, wins over LA Galaxy, and and now a three-goal win over the Houston Dynamo. He had a goal in this one and an assist. Aaron Schoenfeld, nice to see him get a goal for the Columbus crew. And, uh, man, they uh, were all over Houston uh, this weekend and, and a very impressive victory. Well, it was, it was a, the timing of it was, was pretty good for them. When you think about it, on the day that they announced that they were selling mm-hmm. Gio Gonzalez, the Costa Rican center back, they go out and make a statement like that. I mean, it, it was a big win for them. Having said that, man, that's a tough loss for them. I know they had to do it. I know business is business. You're not going to turn down $5 million or whatever the amount is. I know it. I don't think I've seen a hard number on what it is. But let's just say hypothetically it's a $5 million transfer. You're the Columbus crew. You're not going to say no to $5 million for a player you just signed in January. You had the guy for eight months, and you're going to make $5 million. Like, you can't turn that down. Nope. Um, I mean, great bit of business for the crew. Credit to them for their scouting. They went and got the guy, and they're reaping the rewards for that. But that's a big loss for them. And as much as, look, their attack is really blossoming, and and we said it, you know, a month ago, we said it all in the summer. They need help, uh, They need to get Federico Higuain some help. And now you've had Justin Merrim really step up. You've had guys like Ethan Finley uh, also step up. So, it's good to see mm-hmm. it not just be the Federico Higuain show, to have a guy like Merrim really step up his game. That's great to see. you got to love that if you're Greg Berhalter. But not to be the doom and gloom guy. Uh, but, you're going, gonna, but you're going to be. But I'm going to be. It's going to be tough. It's one thing to beat a Houston team who's not great this year and who's in, whose attack is so inconsistent. But if you're, you know, you're going to go up against the, the stronger attacks in MLS – Without Gio Gonzalez, it's going to be tough, man. And you know what? You know who's going to earn their money is Michael Parkhurst because 
I don't think people the for the people who have followed MLS for a long time, they'll remember that look, Parkhurst was a great organizer in the back. He's a guy who can keep things together in the back. And he's gonna they're gonna need him to be that much more of a leader now that Gio, Gio Gonzalez is gone, because you're just not gonna replace a guy like Gonzalez as outstanding as he was. Um so I think it's gonna be t- I think it's gonna be tough. I mean, they'll probably they could still make the playoffs, but I, I don't I think I don't think it's a lock, even with this really emphatic victory from them, especially when you got a, t- a team like New England who who just added Jermaine Jones. You just subtracted one of your best, arguably your best defender. They just added Jermaine Jones. So if we see those teams trade places in the standings in the next month, you're gonna have to look at that. Well, maybe it will force you know Columbus players to to step up with that loss, and and maybe those would be a uh, hidden benefit for them, Ivis. Well, there you go. Somebody's it's going to be a chance for somebody to step up. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyson Wall. Yep, it's your chance to do your thing and uh, you know become the no longer be the second most well known Wall in American soccer. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> LA Galaxy <laughs> defeated Vancouver Whitecaps two to zero. Landon Donovan with a goal in the fourth minute. Marcelo Sarvis gets a goal to round out the scoring for L.A. Robbie Keane with two assists in this match. Uh, Vancouver, we all know how they are on the road. L.A., we also didn't talk about this. They defeated uh, the Colorado Rapids during midweek play 4-3. to three. So L.A., just like that, after suffering a thrashing by the hands of the Columbus crew, pick up six points this week, Ivis, and are within in a very comfortable place back in the Western Conference. Yeah, you know, you can't write them off. You can never write them off. They always find a way. Uh, and it's uh, Bruce Arena, man. He knows what he's doing. And uh, as much as maybe some people looked at that that big loss and said, oh, you know, they, this isn't the year for them. They, they're right there. I mean, look at the standings. They're, they have games in hand. They, they're a couple of wins from being right on the doorstep uh, of the top of the West. And and Landon Donovan's playing great. Robbie Keane's playing great. Uh they're gonna they're gonna be a handful, and it's gonna be fun to watch the West this next few weeks because all these teams play each other: FC Dallas, LA, RSL, Seattle. Uh, all those four. I mean, they it's it's the schedule makers. I think did a great job of mixing those games up, mm-hmm. and not just amongst those four, but then you got Portland and Vancouver fighting it out for that last playoff spot. Uh, nothing against Colorado. I think we can fair safely say at this point that they're toast. Uh, losing Drew Moore to torn ACL, you're just not going to recover from that. Um, they, they didn't have, they don't have the depth to to, to deal with that. Uh, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. So, uh, LA Galaxy on a bit of a roll again, back to being what we thought they could be. Uh, I like their chances, man. I like their, Robbie Rogers. They don't, they still have to get him back. So. These next few weeks are going to be fun to watch. Uh, Philadelphia Union, you were at this match in the stands, I believe, with your family. Uh, defeated. San Jose Earthquakes 4-2, to and your winger with a unbelievable goal. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say unbelievable. With a uh, very solid strike from a tough angle. There you go, Ivis. Uh, with the <laughs> opening goal in this one, Sebastian Latou had a goal in this one. He also had three assists in this one. He was everywhere. But I think the biggest thing for me for in, th- in this match was the fact that Philadelphia went up 2-0. Things were looking pretty good for them. Uh, San Jose comes back, scores two quick goals, gets the equalizer, and then Philadelphia then scored two goals right after that to get the 4-2 victory. So for Philadelphia, man, a a very big character win for them. Oh, it was a great performance for them. And a big, big performance for Andrew Wenger. Because let's face it, it's been a tough go for him since he uh, uh, was acquired from Montreal. Obviously, you're going to face a lot of pressure when you're traded for a bit of a fan favorite. Jack McInerney, obviously, 
uh, one of the original union players, uh, one of the first draft picks of that team, and uh, a young and talented player to be traded for him. You're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of pressure put on you, especially when McInerney is in Montreal scoring goals. So um, this is a great great game for him. And look, you can say you can say plenty of nice things about both those goals. I, I had a I had a really great view of the first goal, uh, and it was a great actually a great sequence. Like the credit, the credit not just to him, uh, but credit to, to his teammates to, to the build up to that the build up on that goal was was pretty special. Uh, and then the second goal when he just powered through the San Jose defense uh, with a lung busting run, great finish. So that you know for for Philly, it's obviously big for them to kind of keep up with the Joneses in terms of, of the race and the playoff race, getting the three points to keep up with the other teams in the race. But as important for them is getting Andrew Wenger some confidence because he's a confidence player. He's a real thinker. He's a real, he's a guy who, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes he overthinks things, intelligent guy for, you know, Duke graduate. Um, when, when he can just play and play with confidence, he has the talent. Like when he's on his game, the guy can score goals in MLS. He can absolutely score goals in MLS. Problem has been just him finding that ta- that that confidence. Obviously in Montreal, uh, inconsistent playing time. His first couple of years didn't exactly set himself up for a great foundation. But hopefully, you know, hopefully for Philly, these two goals that he scores gets him on a roll. Because if they get him going, uh, the way their defense and midfield are coming together, and now that they've Brought in Ryzen Boli, who made his debut. The Algerian goalkeeper looked pretty good in goal for them, and Carlos Valdez looking like an absolute rock in the back for them. They're they're a handful, man. They're they're not they're not going to be easy to deal with. And uh, you know they they have an Open Cup final uh, that they're going to host, and and you can't rule out the Union for a playoff spot in the East. Uh, New York Red Bulls defeated Montreal Impact 4-2. to Dilly Duca with a opening goal in this one for Montreal. Very nice finish from him. And then uh, Henri happened. He had a header. Then he had that cheeky little half shot. Then he assisted Bradley Wright Phillips, who Bradley Wright Phillips also had two goals for himself and set a new New York Red Bulls franchise record for most goals in this season and uh, I mean it was Ivis all the goals in this game were fun to watch and it was very fun to watch Henri and Bradley Wright Phillips go at the Montreal defense in this one every hill Montreal's defense is just not good and I feel like every time they go to the every time they go to Red Bull I don't know what the the record is if you look it up but if I feel like it if you if you add up the combined goals of Montreal's last like five visits to Red Bull Arena uh, I think they've given up 100 goals. Not really 100 goals, but a lot of goals. And Terry Henry is usually at the heart of things. He's just uh, – he has something against Montreal. I don't know what it is. He just loves to destroy the Montreal impact. Uh, but I do have to put you – but you obviously have to talk about Bradley Wright Phillips breaking the goal-scoring record, single-season goal-scoring record uh, by the Red Bulls, previously held by Juan Pablo Angel, a great, great player for the Red Bulls during his time there. But unbelievable season from Wright Phillips. We're in August. We're in August, and he's already hit the 20-goal mark. Now you have to start talking about the record, 27 goals. Chris Wondolowski, Roy Lasseter, does Bradley Wright Phillips have a chance for that? Can he score eight goals between now and the end of the season? He could do it. It's not going to be easy. But the fact that he's even in the in the range, I mean, it just shows you the kind of year that he's had and the kind of year that Henri has had playing as the setup man because Henri absolutely is the guy pulling the strings on things. And I know Bradley Wright Phillips is going to be getting a lot of MVP votes when it's all said and done, but Henri has, without a, for me, has been without question the Red Bulls MVP of the season. Oh, I completely, well, 
I, I agree with you on that one. Henri has been outstanding, <laughs> and he's set up Bradley <laughs> Phillips uh, a lot of times. Henri has 11 assists. He's tied for the league lead uh, with Robbie Keane. Also, Bradley Wright Phillips is now leading the, the goal scoring by the league by four goals over Dom Dwyer. Toronto FC, Chicago Fire. That game was a 2-2 draw. Quincy Ameriquois with a late equalizer in this game. Uh, at this point, it just seems like Toronto's season is wrapped up in a nutshell. It just seems like they're going to have some good results here. They're going to have some poor results here, and they're going to have a game like this where they should have won, but somehow they let the other team score at the very end of the game. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's that was definitely that's the kind of game, if you're Toronto, if you want to be taken seriously as a team that's going to really push for one of the top spots in the East, you got to be able to get your points, your three points at home, uh, you can't drop points. No offense to the Chicago Fire, they they are not one of the better teams in the league. You you can't you can't do it. You can't drop points. Uh, I know they I know they got you know the injury issues and whatnot. But let's look at Chicago's record. Right, Chicago has Chicago has four wins. They have four wins this year. You can't do it. You can't lose. You can't drop points at home to a team with four wins if you want to be taken seriously. And considering the money they they've spent on that team. Um, you know, is it enough to be the number three seed and maybe even fall out of the number three seed in the Eastern Conference? Uh, you know, so I, I think for me, uh, it was a little surprising. They did, and, and that's the thing too. They had they, you get Jermaine Defoe back, you get you know you have Gilberto, you've got what pretty what was pretty close to the full strength team for them. So there are no excuses. There's no excuses. You got Caldwell. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what you can say. Uh, if you're a Chicago, if you're a Chicago fan, you got to feel good about your team showing. Showing that fortitude to go up there and get a point, um, but it's just not enough, man. As I said, you're a four-win team, heading, almost heading into September. You really shouldn't even be in the playoff conversation. But again, this is the Eastern Conference; it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, Toronto, I, I, I see them. If there's a team I see being a quick uh, playoff exit, I think it's going to be Toronto. I think they're a team that yeah, if they I fall, agree. if they they could fall to fourth place and get knocked out in the play-in game. Or if they're the, if they end up third place, if they're in, in third place, I think DC or KC beats them in a two game series. I just I just I don't know what it is. They just there's something missing there. I don't know. It, it's just even with Defoe, Bradley, Gilberto, Osorio, <coughs> it's it uh, something's missing there. Well, it, I, I mean, positives are Gilberto did score on a breakaway in this one. So I mean, at least you have that going for you. So, good player, good player. And look, having to he's a good player, but he's struggled this year too. Yeah, he's been inconsistent. You know, you, you like to get a little more consistent production from a designated player. Dermaine Defoe being injured for the stretch that he was injured obviously didn't help things. He, he'll have to kind of get back into the rhythm uh, as the game as the season progresses. If he can get back that form that he had in the summer when he was absolutely crushing it, then maybe Toronto can get back in that conversation. But for right now. They're firmly entrenched in the second tier of teams. When you want to talk about title contenders and whatnot, there's that top six now, and they're absolutely in that second batch of of contenders. You almost want to say pretenders because I just don't see them as a title team. Uh, in the final game of the weekend, New England at home defeated Chivas USA 1-0. Lee Wynn with the own goal in this game. Uh, Lee Wynn, very, uh, I'm sorry, for New England, uh, I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but defeating Chivas USA puts them back up in that playoff picture, so uh, good uh, good victory for New England. <laughs> I, I don't know what else there is to say about this game. Uh, you could tell. You didn't know what to say. The less said, the better. New England exactly. won. They, 
They got the three points they needed, and they got Jermaine Jones. That's a pretty that's a pretty good week for if you're a New England fan. And time to shift the focus of the show to a new subject. We're going to talk Americans abroad. One guy we need to talk about to start off with is Jeff Cameron Ivis. Would someone say where in the world is he? Lots of transfer rumors, uh, possibilities where he will go, what countries he may possibly transfer to. What's the latest on the status of Jeff Cameron? Well, I mean, you've had multiple reports come out. Obviously, we, you know, I, I wrote a week ago on Gold.com that he had asked to be transferred, and there's a long list of teams that are interested. Uh, obviously, uh, in the Premier League, there's a handful of teams. Uh, there are Serie A. There's interest in Serie A. Lazio's name uh, was was brought out today. There was a report linking Lazio uh, to Cameron, and and I should have a report on uh, Wednesday with a, a few more. Uh, Serie A teams in the frame in the conversation for Cameron he didn't play this weekend he was on the bench but he didn't play for the second straight week he's out of there folks he's done he's not going to play for Stoke again uh, they're going to sell him and I, you know it's going to be interesting to see where he goes I think at this point Hull City a team that's been mentioned before I don't think they're in the mix now that they've signed Michael Dawson uh, but there's plenty of other teams uh, it's going to come down to Serie A and the Premier League, where he winds up. Uh, obviously, I think the Premier League's probably better from a money standpoint because the Premier League uh, salary range is obviously usually higher than Serie A, unless you're talking about the absolute big teams like Juve uh, or Napoli, but or you know even AC Milan. But um, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because uh, you know what, uh, if he were to go to Serie A, I think that would be interesting. Uh, just uh, when you think about defenders, American defenders, I mean, it, you know. Oguchaye was with AC Milan, but he never actually played in a Serie A that's match. Cause, that's because Ibrahimovic beat the crap out of him in training. He he broke Ibrahimovic's rib. I thought it was. I don't remember what it was, but that's the only no, thing. He, I, that's uh, the only thing I remember from that is them getting to a fight. <laughs> well, they did get into a fight, and I think Ibrahimovic is the one who ended up with a broken rib, if I if I if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, but yeah, no. So you know, the last American defender in Serie A <laughs> was, was Alexi Lawless. Yeah, so. yeah. That's a long time, so I, I think that would be kind of cool, uh, you know, for American fans to to kind of have a, a an American to follow in Italy, uh, a, a U.S. national team American. No offense, Giuseppe Rossi, um, you know, since Michael Bradley <laughs> left, obviously there hasn't been that uh, kind of American to follow over there. So I think that'd be nice to see. Um, but you know what? If I think my money would be on him staying in the Premier League, there's definitely I think there's a half dozen teams that are in the mix for him. So. I'm probably going to be Premier League, but there are some. There's more than one. There's I, I know of three Serie A teams in the in the mix for him. So uh, look out on Goal.com on Wednesday. You'll probably see a report from me naming a few more of those teams. You were right. Ibrahimovic did suffer a broke. It was a broken rib, is what he suffered in the fight. Yeah, he talked about it in his uh, in his autobiography. Actually, God, can you, imagine, can you imagine what that fight was like? I mean, they're they're both big guys. Yeah, they're both like yeah. I mean, huge. Yeah, I mean, I think well, Ibrahim is six four, and he's like a what is he a black belt in Taekwondo or something? I mean, he's yeah, got some kind of he's probably he's, some, some, he's probably kinda, some color we don't even know, <laughs> something above black. <laughs> he, no, he's a bad he's a bad he's a bad dude. So credit to uh, credit to Onyewu uh, for, for for standing his ground and not putting up with it. So uh, I, I why, oh why oh why didn't someone have a camera phone? I know going when that went down. Ah, unfortunate. Uh, looking at the rest of the Americans abroad, it was a little bit of a quiet weekend. Some guys uh, did not play. Some guys did not dress. But we did see some things. Tim Howard 
uh, made one save in Everton's draw with Arsenal. Josie Altador did come off the bench, but I think the biggest thing from England, Brad Guzan, another solid performance for him. He made four saves in uh, Aston Villa's scoreless draw with Newcastle. And uh, Brad Guzan, Ivis, he's a great goalkeeper. Nice to see him with back-to-back good performances uh, in England. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, you're talking about uh, second shutout, two games, two shutouts for him. I think it was, I forget how many, I think it was 25 years since the last time an Aston Villa goalkeeper Damn. Uh, started a season with two shutouts. So he's off to a great start, and uh, he's definitely getting ready to put his stamp on that starting job with the U.S. Uh, I know Necromando is going to be, he's going to have his chance, but I mean, I, I'm sorry, I think Bragg is on. He's going to be your number one, uh, and and he's going to be great. He's going to be great. So they're off to a good start. Look, we know Villa's not a great team, but uh, you know what? The 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 more Guzan plays well, the better chances are. Maybe he moves on to a bigger club. Not necessarily this summer, but as he builds that up, as he keeps going, if he has mm-hmm. another great year this year, all of a sudden next year you got to start saying, "Hey, when are the bigger teams going to start coming in and having conversations?" Well, speaking of bigger clubs, Manchester United went out and uh, brought in Angel Di Maria for reported $100 million from Real Madrid. Ivis, thoughts on this? Uh, thoughts on Manchester United's newest acquisition? Well, for me, he's a great player. He's one of the most underrated yep. top, top players in the world. Uh, I don't think he got the credit he deserved uh, for last year's success by Real Madrid mm-hmm. winning the Champions League. Uh, and I think he's made, I think he's going to be great for Man United. Now, look, Man United has a lot of issues. Uh, he is not going to help solve all those issues. Having said that, I think he having him on the team is, is going to help hopefully raise the level, hopefully for them, raise their level across the board. Now, it would be better if he could play center back because you know, Man United needs one or two center backs badly, as we saw in their, their pretty embarrassing loss in the Capital One Cup, which we will talk about shortly. But no, for me, Di Maria, I thought it was a bit of a travesty the way Real Madrid handled him. Um, you know, he he asked for he asked for a bigger salary. Uh, not that he was asking for the astronomical money that Ronaldo and Gareth Bale are on, but he wanted he wanted a raise and he earned that. I, I felt he played well enough to earn himself a raise. But you know what, Real Madrid said, you know what, that's that's all well and good. We've got some other superstars to bring in now in Hamas Rodriguez, Tony Kroos. You can go move on. And now he's in Man U. And I think, you know what, who knows what's going to happen with Man U. But I, for me, I think Di Maria is going to be a great a great player in the Premier League. Well, things need to start happening because so far in the Premier League, they lost. They suffered an opening loss in the weekend, in the opening weekend, excuse me. And they played to a uh, draw in the last weekend of play. And then they go out and lose to a League One side, MK Dons. Uh, four to two, and uh, I was that was that was really embarrassing. And MK Dons had some nice goals in this one, but if you're a Manchester United fan, I mean, you are you are definitely looking away from the TV right now. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> especially when they they don't they're not playing in Europe this year. They're not playing in Champions League. They're not playing in Europa League. Um, so for them to miss out on 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 these extra games, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know. Now they pretty much have the league and the FA Cup as the only two competitions they're going to be playing in from here on out. And who knows? You know what? Maybe if they're a team that needs to be overhauled as drastically as, as it seems they need to be, maybe it's better that they don't have multiple competitions to worry about. Uh, I have, you know, said all that, their defense is an absolute mess. I mean, I don't know, man. I know some snobs will say Jeff Cameron's not good enough to play for Man United, but hey, I think Jeff Cameron is a center back. I think he could not do worse. 
than the guys that we saw today from Man United against MK Dons. I just don't think he could do worse. Uh, maybe Man United w- might want to take a look. Maybe Van Hall is, it, it wouldn't be so high on Cameron, but I don't know, man. They need to make some buys. Uh, you know, they should have gotten Ben uh, Benadia from uh, Benadia from Roma, who went to Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, probably the best center back on the market at the moment. Uh, if you're Man United and you want to, I, I get you want to spend your sixty million for a Maria Di Maria or your hundred million American for Di Maria, but defense is the biggest issue you have. Go get some blue chip defenders. Go get Benadia. Go get Daily Blind. Uh, I know they got Marco Ro- Marco Rojo the, from the Argentine national team, but he is not he is not like a you know high end blue chip top notch defender. I liked him a lot at the World Cup, but Man United needs one or two stud defenders, top end guys, uh, or it's going to be a really long season. Also, Everton went out and they brought in Samuel Eto'o. This is a nice little pickup for Everton, Ivis. Yeah, they, they're, they, their offseason keeps on rolling. I know some people will say, hey, their, their regular season's not done great, uh, considering they've blown leads in their first two games. Uh, but you know what? Anyone who follows Everton through the years knows the beginning of the season always seems to be this just exercise in frustration. Like, they, they always seem to fall. They always seem to stumble out of the blocks and mm-hmm. then turn it on and then get into the second half of the season and really turn it on. So I think you know I don't know if anyone should be going too crazy about about the you know it's disappointing considering they could have been on six points in the first two weeks of the season but I think the quality is there Martinez is is a great manager and now has adding Samuel Eto'o to Romelu Lukaku uh, you know Ross Barkley uh, a player like Christian Atsu uh, just the offseason they had has been absolutely stellar. Are they a top four team? Eh, I, I don't know if I'd go that far yet, but I think they're going to be right in the conversation, and they're going to be a team that's going to make make a lot cause a lot of problems, especially with their attack. And with that, it wraps up today's SBI show. Before I let you go, Ivis, I think we covered all the bases in today's show. Probably some more stuff we missed, but for the most part, I think we got everything. Well, we you know what we should talk about is the Emmys, but apparently you don't watch television. I don't, I don't watch TV, yeah. which I think is pretty embarrassing. Why? Why is that embarrassing? Yeah, hey, you gotta watch some TV. You gotta watch this this quality television. You should watch a couple of shows at least. I wait till it comes out on Netflix, then I binge. I mean, the only show that I watch consistently, consistently, I can't talk right now, is uh, is The Walking Dead. But I mean, what about Breaking Bad? Well, that show's over. Yeah, but did you watch the whole thing? Yes, of course I did. Well, the last season was up for was the the season that was up for the Emmys and just swept all the Emmys. So I did see did, that. So it was did you think it was good the last season? Of course, the last season was great. Walt did not die. Breaking Bad season six will come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it was it, it, uh, since you don't since apparently you can't offer nothing to the Emmy conversation. I'll just say real quickly that I know some people were pretty upset about some of the uh, the winners. Uh, I know Aaron Paul winning. Uh, upset the people who thought Peter Dinklage should win, and look, I, for me, Peter Dinklage would have got my vote. Uh, the 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 Game of Thrones, uh, the the imp from the Game of Thrones, Tyrion Lannister, outstanding, outstanding uh, season for him. He would have got my vote. But how do you? How can you get mad at at, at, at Aaron Paul winning? You, you can't. His last season, the last season of Breaking Bad, you can't be mad at that. And that goes for also for the best actor, uh, Brian Cranston. I mean, Walt, Walter White. I mean, come on, folks. He was outstanding. I get it. Matthew McConaughey was very, very, very good. He was, an, he was on another level 
and his performance in True Detective was unbelievable. So you know what? He probably would have had my vote too. But how do, you can't say it was just a travesty that Cranston was pretty great too his last season. So I, I don't know. For me, those two, I thought people were, were really, really it seemed a lot of people were not as many people as are upset about Landon Donovan not being on the World Cup team. But there, it seemed like there were a handful of people who were really not happy about those two. I say, you know what? Breaking Bad, one of the all-time best shows. Let them sweep these awards now. Next year, I'm sure uh, you know. I'm sure these other people will have their chances. McConaughey won't because he's only he only did the one season, The True Detective. But look, we still got to see it. It was still amazing, and McConaughey is probably still the best actor, uh, all mediums on earth right now. So you know what? It's all good. What? Yeah. When did Matthew McConaughey become such a good actor? He's been, hey man, he was good since Days and Confused with his all time oh, classic on. line. He was not, don't, dude, don't <laughs> come, come on, on. Come on. His line, the, one of the best lines of all time when he's like, What uh, is it? Do you remember it? It was, it was it. You gotta, was it? Gotta you're gonna, you're gonna butcher this. Well, hold on. Do, do you wanna look it up it, before I, you butcher I don't know it? it? The gist of it is, gotta love those high school girls. They keep get uh, they keep getting uh was it oh, oh my god you butcher, I, know, I, gotta, I told I gotta, you I gotta love the gotta love those you gotta love them high school girls I keep getting older and they stay the same age yeah there pretty you much go. The so but yeah so no but he was he he was amazing and and he's been amazing in pretty much everything he's done in the last few years so uh but did you see True Detective no I didn't you should watch that I should watch that I recommend True Detective I recommend Game of Thrones. Uh, I recommend House of Cards. That's on Netflix. You can watch that. Actually, when I'm, when I'm finishing up season nine of The Office because I did not watch season nine, so I've been watching that actually right now. So once I, I reckon, finish I, that, what what should I watch, Ivis? House of Cards. Okay. And then I don't know. Well, I don't think True Detective is on Netflix, but I recommend House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you get Game of Thrones or True Detective without actually having HBO, but uh, I'm sure there's a way. Yeah. Oh, yo. I, well, I'm sorry. Other than, a legal way. I'm sorry. I don't know of a legal way you could do it. Yeah. But uh. But yeah. Game of Game of Thrones, House of Cards. You know, one show that I'm enjoying now. Maybe you won't be your cup of tea, but I would recommend folks to on. Well, I, I've been on Hulu Plus lately. I've started to use Hulu Plus and uh, Gang Related, uh, which just ended season one, uh, 13 episodes. Wait, what's the show uh, called? It's Gang Related, and it's about a. Uh, it's about a cop who is basically uh, working for a, a gang as an, as kind of a double agent. Like, you know, he grew up uh, as kind of raised by the, the kingpin of a gang, and then he works his way up and, and becomes, like, part of the same task force that's chasing the gang, and he's kind of a double agent. But it, it becomes a sympathetic figure. Great. Uh, for me, I think it's great. I think if if you like cop shows, if you like The Wire – uh, if you like, uh, I don't know, Colors, the the old the classic Sean Penn movie, Colors, uh, Robert Duvall, Colors. Um, it, it's a little mix of all that thrown together. I like it. I would recommend it. Maybe you won't like. I mean, Garrett, you probably you being from the cul-de-sac, you probably can't get down and relate to like you know the nitty-gritty street life. But I would recommend Gang Related to anyone who has Hulu Plus and is looking for a show to watch. Uh, yeah, I don't know that one either. You know what I did watch this past weekend was I did watch uh, Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street for the first time. That movie is awesome. It was pretty good. I'm sure you love the blonde in it, but I mean it was pretty good. Yeah, dude, she was she was pretty odd. <laughs> I thought Jonah Hill was pretty good. 
I had to look the blonde up afterwards, and I, 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 I told I told I was like I was like I told my girlfriend. My girlfriend's like, "Why are you looking her up?" And I was like, "Because uh. she's amazing." Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. I mean, I'm not gonna say that though. I'm pretty sure, like, uh, I'm pretty sure ninety percent of uh, of like you know heterosexual males who watch that movie. Uh, Googled the girl as soon as the movie was over because she was just that amazing. That's what I did. I was like, "Who is that?" Yeah, that was. Yeah, but another level. Decent movie. I'm trying to think of the best movie I've seen. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen a really. I have not seen a really good movie in a while because I, I like it. All I see are these kids shows, kids movies. <clears throat> I, I, saw, did, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. That was pretty good, actually. Well, funny. You said, <laughs> I took my kids to see that, but then I missed like half of it because I was in my car writing a story. I don't even know what the story was. It was some breaking news story uh, of the past couple weeks. Don't you have interns to write that stuff for you, and then you just no, put your name no, on it? No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. I do. I do my own work, but uh, that, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty funny. Uh, I thought Lucy was good. I saw Lucy the with uh, Scarlett oh, with, Johansson. Uh, yeah, it was Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Hercules was okay. I thought. What was it twenty two Jump Street twenty whatever that was, the new... that was that was pretty funny actually that was hilarious. I like um, the fact that they made fun of themselves for it being a sequel. I did appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like yeah, it was hilarious. Was it? I like I like Jonah Hill when he walks into the office and he's like, "What is all this glass? It's like a cube of ice." <laughs> it's like subtle. Uh, That's why I like that movie. Up. Like they clearly made fun of the fact that like with, I mean the jokes weren't they, yeah they weren't like overdone stupid you know. Austin. I mean, I like Austin Powers, but like it was a little more clever. I like the roommate. I like the girl. The I won't say what she ended up. Her character actually ended up being because I don't want to give it away. I don't want to spoil Twenty Two Jump Street, but the the one which who was one kept, the, the the one who kept making fun of Jonah Hill. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and, she was pretty funny. At his age, and she's like, <laughs> it's like not. She's like, you got ninety nine problems, and your old age is one. <laughs> she actually, she was pretty good in that movie. That whole movie was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think I. You know what? I want to see it again. That's how good it was. Yeah, was it was good. good. It was good in a in a dumb uh, watch while you're drunk way, not in a like Oscar worthy way. So I don't want any. I don't. I don't want the movie snobs to be like, how can you say that was a good movie? It was good in a you know popcorn comedy make you laugh kind of way. Yeah, I agree. It was. It was. It was very clever. All right, this ends the pop culture portion of the latest SBI show. No. Oh, one. I will. My last. Of course. See. Oh, oh, here we go. Of, of course. No, no, no. All I'm gonna say is, for for anyone who enjoys the music, uh, the intro music, because I do the intro music, and I don't know the crap. Yes. The crap at the, uh, crap at the end is Garrett. I just want to point that. out. The crap out. at the but, end isn't that bad. I don't get why. You don't, I, first off, you don't even I, listen I, to the full show, so you don't even know what's at the end. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you're look, not. I, I went my well for those who had who hadn't noticed the last I don't know six or seven shows we have we at, once we hit episode 150 I finally started to to kind of rehash intro songs uh, just because it's not easy finding qual you know like at a certain point it, it gets tough to find fresh old school uh, hip hop beats uh, and also ones that will clear uh, clear the the you know clear all the uh, channels you got to go through to, to be able to use the song. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I thought you know, we, we brought back a few good beats, but I, I, I went a week ago. I, I spent the entire night mining for new beats. And you heard, I, I still don't, I'm not sure what beat will be on the intro to this, but this episode, but that this first, the, the, the intro to this episode was a new beat. And you're going to hear, you're going to hear new beats, new intro beats for the next, hopefully, 
uh, next 10 episodes. I already have them lined up. What do you think the out song is going to be for today's show? Probably uh, Kid Cootie. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, you give me crap for saying names wrong? Do you even know what his name is? Kid Cudi. Okay. No, no, no. All, right. all right. All right. All right. Well, it varies. It varies. I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. It's Kid Cudi. What? Cootie? I, I think Who the hell that. says Kid Cootie? I think the cul-de-sac people say Cudi. I think the streets. I think the hood says Cootie. I don't, I don't think they do. It's the hood. You're not even from the hood. Why? Why do you? Why you got to be like that? You don't even know. Listen, man. I, I I'm just gonna put it. Look, I am from the hood, and I will. I will. When that, you know what? If I'm no, you're city, not. You're you're insane. I, it's I, it's been a long time since I've I, I've been in the hood, but I am from the hood. And when you come to New Jersey, I will take you to where I'm from, and then you will see where I'm from. And it's not the cold. Where the Upper East Side? I, I've seen I've seen Gossip Girl. I know what that's like. I'm not from New York City, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> all right. It's all. It's all right. I, I I started from the bottom and now I'm here. Saw, I live in a rough. I live in the avenues now, man. That's that's pretty rough. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> we already we already know your uh, your your rough uh, upbringing. All right, enough. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. The show. Oh, hey, well, last one, last one, for the guy who continues to badger us. Oh, that's the, a, uh, amphibian. Amphibian. Now, I love the guy because he was like the day one dude on SoundCloud, and I have not forgotten that, and which is why I have I put up with the trolling at this point about the scarf contest because Amphibian, I remember, and you, I hope you're listening still. I'm sure you are. Um, I, I, re- I remember you from like the early episodes of our show being the only guy to comment in SoundCloud, and obviously it seemed like you are a big SoundCloud guy. So I, you got a lot of love for me and respect for me. As being that guy, we will get to the bottom of the uh, of the scarf contest. I did let it slip. I will figure out who won. I will get the I will get. I have look. I have not. I'm not trying to welch on it. I have so many scarves. I don't know what to do with them. Okay, it's not that I don't want to give them away. I'll gladly give away a scarf. I just got to find the time to figure out who the actual winner is. And thanks to you, Amphibian, we will figure that out. Hopefully this week. All right. And I really hope, and I really hope someone other than Amphibian won. I really do, because <laughs> I don't want to like encourage uh, trolling. But why, why, why are you calling out listeners of our show? No, I'm just letting I'm letting him know that he has made a difference. He's made a difference. This is this in... is why we get crap reviews on iTunes. It's because you do things like this. Oh yeah, it's because of me, right? Well, yeah. oh yeah, because I I'm never wrong, and oh I think I I I can never be wrong. That's one of the criticisms. Look, I can be wrong. I just really believe in my opinions, and I think everybody should believe in their opinions. What is wrong with that? I mean, I just I don't I don't see the big deal. I don't I don't believe in anything that I say. Well, that's you know I think people will figure that out. I say, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but you know what? Uh, I'll try to be a little more open minded, uh, so so Garrett Gar- Gar- can uh, can shine a little bit. I'm I'm okay, Ivis. <laughs> you're okay. You're okay in the in the um, shadows. I'm I'm better looking than you, so that's a, that's that's good <laughs> enough for me. All right, you're still young. You're still young. I was all right back in the day. I'm I'm old now. I'm not young, dude. Time. I'm 27, man. I'm getting that's there. Pretty, that's young, man. I, I was at, I was going to my first World Cup at 27. I was I was a kid. I was a kid living it up, partying every night in Seoul in in South Korea. Uh, that was those were the days. God, I'll be lucky if I can party two nights in a row and not be dead. Really, man! I, I, mean, I, party I, 30, I, I party thirty. I party thirty. I party thirty straight days, sleeping three hours a day, 
because I because I worked every day, partied every night, uh, to party till six a.m. That that was that was uh, that was a good World Cup for that from that standpoint. But as as Father Time catches up, the amount of partying the the amount of partying goes down precipitously because obviously in Germany I partied, but it was more like every other day, uh, every third day, and then in, and then South Africa. It was like you know once a week, maybe twice a week. Uh, Brazil, uh, you know what? I I I I, I fought back. I fought back the father time a bit because when you're in Brazil, you got to party. So I, I, we we did all right. We you know we we had fun. We had fun in Brazil. I mean, I partied pretty hard up until I got you know I'm, I'm pretty like until I got married now. So <laughs> I love this guy. He's married. You better put a ring on it, man. <laughs> yeah. We've already had that discussion. Well, we've talked about that on the show. <laughs> All right, enough. Yes. Uh, Ivis, time to let you go. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Sounds good. Wait, when are we going to do a show? Are we going to do a show Thursday night? Yes. Yes. Are you going to fall asleep? Are you going to fall asleep? <laughs> you fell asleep before I did. I just want to point that out. But I woke up and you should have still been awake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I woke up and, and you sh- it was like eleven years old. I don't. I don't. Yeah, exactly. It's past, <laughs> it was bedtime for me. All right, man. I'll let you go. You have a good night, and uh, I'll talk to you later this week. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>